right, good evening, everybody. Good to see you here. We're thankful you're here with us, and I'm thankful for the opportunity to bring forth our message this evening. Uh, Brother John spoke on the topic of bringing up children a few weeks back, and as I heard him talk, I said, well, you know, I've been working on a lesson on this. Uh, so really, my lesson isn't an addition to what he talked about, or uh, I didn't really choose this topic because I was already uh, working on this lesson because of his but I think it goes along well with it as well. Uh, and also, I must apologize if you were at our family retreat a few points from my lesson, you're going to hear again. But I think they go along well with our lesson this evening. Uh, so in our time we have together, I'd like to speak to the future of the church. Uh, as Brother Steve just read a few moments ago in Matthew 19, 13 through 15, we read, then the little children were brought to him that he might put his hands on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed from there. In this passage, Matthew describes different people that were present at the scene where Jesus blesses the little children. Of course, there was Jesus himself, the apostles, uh, the small children that were coming or trying to get near the Lord. But the, for the purpose of our study this evening, let's focus on the people that weren't mentioned but who were surely present. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, maybe some of those children were want, running around or wandering the countryside by themselves, but I would assume that their parents probably led them there. Uh, someone had to bring them to Jesus, and I would say the unseen witnesses to this event were the parents. You know, what a difference it makes to a child when the parents are consciously leading their children to Christ. That's why I chose the topic for this lesson uh, this evening. Uh, for the parents that are making the effort to consciously get your children to church, even at an early age, and to lead them to Christ. And just, uh, I want to say that from my standpoint, but uh, as a, a young parent I can remember, so I do say parents, please know that when your children cry or talk loudly, maybe make a break for the front as Abby has done before when she was tiny, uh, that that brings joy to our hearts to hear the sweet sound of children. Uh, even though it may be stressful for you in that moment, they're the future of the church. You know, as a parent of two, I can remember the stress of getting little ones ready for church, to get out the door, then forgetting something, having to go back in and get that, getting them to church, and then the, uh, the work it took to keep them busy and quiet while you get here as well. Uh, in fact, I've got several stories I would share with you on both Evie and Mac. There's many times where we had to either get up and leave or just turn around at the doors and go home. Uh, a time uh, when Evie was around maybe 10 months old or so, she wasn't feeling good, I guess. She wasn't having it and crying, trying to get out the door for church. Uh, cried all the way to church, and as we were walking for the front door, she decided to lock up and jump out of my arms, and I caught her just inches from the pavement which scared me to death, of course. So we just turned around, got in the car, and went home. Uh, we probably should have went on in because my mom and others that were waiting on us on the inside wondered what happened to us. Uh, Mac had some of those as well. There was a time in Gordonsville that he was so loud, even in the nursery, that Brother John Griffin, who preached there, uh, we couldn't even hear him when he was in the nursery, so Steph just took him on home. Luckily, uh, we lived just right down the street from church. Uh, also, remember a time, as I said, Abby made a break for it, and I looked up from my songbook to see her riding her songbook like a horse up the aisle, uh, which got <laughs> lots of laughs. Uh, 
And then also I remember one of the more entertaining ones on Mac uh, when we'd pass the Lord's Supper around, especially the juice, we got to where we had to hold it out of his reach because he wanted to have some of that juice. So he was yelling, I want some juice. Why can't I have the juice? And Steph quietly whispered to him that that's for people that have uh, been baptized, to which he answered very loudly, I want to be baptized, uh, which was followed by laughter in the middle of the Lord's Supper. So uh, kids are definitely a joy and have lots of entertaining moments as well. But, you know, as a parent of those two, I can remember the first time that I heard both my children singing songs of praise. Uh, the first times I can clearly remember, uh, you know, on the way home or when we got home discussing what they learned in Bible class and then being able to discuss and uh, understand the Bible. Uh, seeing the friendships that they've made with Christians that are leading by example and supporting them and the joys of watching Abby being raised from the waters of baptism. And uh, that is emotional as a parent, the tears of joy that you see uh, as your children achieve these things. So know that uh, if they're crying, they're making noises, they're not bothering us, right? It's crucial that we must get our children to church as they are the future of it. You know, I shared a few of these facts uh, from Brother Brad Harib that he gave at a lesson in Gordon's at our family retreat. Uh, I think we discussed them. I brought them up in one of our Wednesday night Bible studies. Uh, but in his, some of his research, he found that, uh, and this was in 2020, that around 10,894 people are leaving the church or the churches of Christ each year. That averages out to about 30 per day or one per hour. So just think about that one in the hour that we're here. Uh, these are stats that, are, of course, are alarming. And he found many more reasons or many reasons why uh, members are leaving but one of the largest reasons that he found that I believe is truthful, uh, I feel like we may don't teach our kids to be obedient, to fear God as they should. He went on in his lesson that evening to, to say that often we baptize our children, we make them feel good about themselves, uh, and then just allow them to go out and live like the rest of the world again. He went on further to say that uh, it's not enough just to get them wet, that we must raise them to be warriors in Christ. Uh, I found another example while getting ready for this lesson from uh, Carl Brecken. I think I'm pronouncing his name correctly, a longtime professor at Abilene Christian University. And in one of his lectureships or seminars, uh, he gave a good example of the positive results achieved by those parents that strive to bring their children to Christ. Uh, he used the example of two families that lived in the same town at the same time. Uh, one was the Max Dukes family, uh, and he didn't believe in God. In fact, he refused to give his children any religious training. He refused to take them or bring them to church, and he would go on to have over 1,020 descendants. Of those 1,020, 300 would go on to have prison sentences, and 600 would go on to be alcoholics. As he mentioned in his article, think of the millions of dollars of money that were spent to assist or to prosecute his descendants. And there was no visible record that they made any contribution to their community. He talked about the second family, the Jonathan Edwards family. He believed in God. He taught his children to love the Lord. He encouraged them to tend, to attend church and to serve as well. Uh, he had 929 recorded descendants. And of those 929, 430 went on to be ministers. 86 
went on to be university presidents, 13 university, or 86 professors, 13 to be university presidents, 75 authors, seven, seven of them went on to serve their country as either a senator or a representative, and even one, the vice president of the United States. Well, this is only a single example or even an extreme example in my mind, uh, but you know, what a great difference it makes when parents lead their children to Christ. We discussed this to a point one uh, day in our Bible class as we discussed uh, honoring thy father and thy mother. Um, and I think we see an example of this sometimes even in our daily lives. I know I have in my job, even thinking back to my childhood and through the years, maybe we see families like the Dukes family mentioned earlier. We're seeing continues from generation to generation because they've not been led to Christ. But that doesn't mean that it has to continue from generation to generation. Uh, I think of, or I'm reminded of Exodus 20, verses 5 and 6, which Steph told me not to mention her name, but she reminded me of that in our study. <laughs> uh, it says, You shall not bow down to worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You know, personally, I've seen this cycle broken many times when a person, either a child or someone when they become parents, decide to make God and Christ a priority in their lives and their families' lives, making a change for their generation, but also for generations to come. And I shared another quote from uh, Brother Harib's lesson that he did at that same time that he got from somewhere and it said uh, we must make that choice today to lead our children to Christ before it's too late because the choices that you make today with your family will determine the quality of life of your family tree for generations to come and that's very true so for this reason I'd like to share some thoughts about the future of the church or our children and how we can uh, ensure our church will continue to grow and have the same sweet sound of children whenever we gather so first, we'll start off by looking at uh, our responsibilities as a parent as we lead our children to Christ. You know, our first responsibility as a parent is to teach them. In 2 Timothy 3.15, we see that uh, Timothy, Timothy was taught the word of God by his mother, his grandmother, from an early age. Thankfully, when it comes to teaching children here, especially at Center Grove, we have many great teachers, leaders, and volunteers that are willing to step up, and many great students that are willing to learn. Uh, educational research, and that's something I have to look at at this time of the year as I put together my plans for my year in extension uh, and teaching youth. Uh, I look at lots of numbers, but uh, lots of educational research tells us simply three things. First, kids are easily reached. As adults, we're busy but kids are eager to learn and to know more about Jesus. Kids love vacation Bible school. I know I did as a kid and was looking forward to every, every time we can come in. Here, I know we do a great job of vacation Bible school. Uh, still amazes me to walk through over here the, the classrooms across the way. Uh, kids love VBS, especially the hippo song. That's, that's a big hit here at Center Grove. Uh, they love... Sunday school, uh, Mac is excited to get us out the door every morning 
you know, always 10 or 15 minutes uh, earlier than we're probably ready to, but he's always the first one ready to go. Uh, they also love the church activities that we design to teach them. Secondly, kids are easily taught. You know, as adults, we have a lot on our minds. Uh, but kids have a clear, open mind and great memories. All they need is someone or something to fill it with. And unfortunately, children today have movies, lots of video games, social media, and many other worldly things that make up the bulk of their diet that they consume. If we don't teach them, the world will. And thirdly, kids are easily convinced. Uh, adults doubt and are full of sin, so we tend to resist. But kids are eager to do right and to please God. It's better that we convince them of Jesus early on because an unbelieving world that surrounds us daily will do its best to convince them that there is not a God. So the first responsibility of parents, therefore, is to see that our children learn about Jesus. You know, the problem is never the eagerness or willingness of kids. As parents, we must not fail to bring them to be taught or neglect to teach them ourselves. Our second responsibility is to aim them. Uh, I heard this example and really liked it years ago, and I've heard several people, including, I think, Brad Harib used this. Raising Christian children is kind of like shooting at a, an arrow at a target. Parents are the bow, children are the arrow, and Jesus is the target. You know, I can't help but think of archery and think of our 4-H kids that I work with every year. We'll have sometimes 40 or 60 kids at practice, uh, and we always have several kids that uh, at that first practice has never shot a bow, even though they claim they've shot a bow before. Uh, and it never fails. You hear a lot of, why can't I hit the target? I'm not good at this at all. So you stand back and try to watch them and see what they're doing wrong to help them have some success. And what you'll notice, those that aren't hitting the target aren't really even aiming at the target. They're just pulling the bow back and letting the arrow fly. And the same thing as parents, we can't expect to hit the parent or hit the target as parents if we don't aim at it. You know, the Bible tells us that we should raise our children with the express purpose that they will know and obey God's word. As we see in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 18 through 19. Therefore, you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down. And when you rise up, we don't raise children and just hope that they will become Christians by chance. We raise them in a Christian environment and we teach them about Christ with hope that they too one day will become Christians. So parents never feel guilty to insist on VBS, on church camps and other youth activities. We as Christian parents... Uh, don't have to or don't need to defend our insistence on church attendance and Christian behavior, both at home or in, in school as well, because this is who we are and what we're aiming our children for. We may not always hit the target, but at least we'll be aiming at the correct target. So next, as we discuss leading our children to Christ, I would like to talk about a few mis uh, misconceptions 
that Christian parents have about raising Christian children that I found from an article from Brother Barry Gilruth. The first misconception he said about raising Christian children is, because I'm a Christian, my children will automatically become Christians. Just because we made the decision years ago to become Christians doesn't mean that our children will also make it. As we see in 1 Samuel 8 and 3, Samuel's sons did not follow their father's way, uh, but his sons turned aside after dishonest gain, took brides, and perverted justice. Now Samuel was a godly prophet, but apparently he didn't correct the faults of his children. Children must be taught, corrected, trained in faith if they're to be, uh, or to believe and to live according to that belief. Uh, parents must evangelize their own children and disciple them if they want to, them to become converted and then to be faithful and fruitful. Misconception number two is really the reverse of misconception number one. My actions will not uh, influence my children's faithfulness. You can't effectively teach children with the method as do as I say, not as I do. Faithful parents who are involved, or involved usually produce faithful children. In fact, a recent survey showed that where both parents are faithfully active in their church, 96% of their children were also active in the church. However, only 6% of children remain faithful if their parents were sporadic and not really involved. It's an old story, but true. Uh, children are rarely more faithful than their parents are. Your influence and what you do as a parent is key. Misconception number three listed was, my children will naturally show respect and give authority to those in positions of leadership. Respect for authority is taught at home. A child who doesn't respect the authority of his mother and father will not respect the authority of Christ, his word, or the leaders of the church. Respect and submission are not automatic. Uh, a fact he brought up is that some parents uh, want the minister, the elders, or the deacons to put their children in line. And unfortunately, as a child, I saw that several times in church, not me, but uh, other people where parents may have asked, can you help get my children in line? Can you help me uh, teach them to be better behaved? But if they've been rebellious with the parents and not corrected, they won't know how to submit to anyone else's authority. We must teach our children to obey their parents so they'll reap the benefits that come from knowing how to obey not only their parents, but others, maybe coaches, teachers, leaders, systems, even laws that were uh, required to obey, but ultimately to obey God. God who gives all these things their place and their authority. Like anything else, obedience is taught and learned. And misconception number four that he shared was forcing my children to come to worship service or to go to youth activities will force them to rebel or to hate the church. You know, some people think that uh, they should just let their children decide or make up their own minds about their faith. For example, when they're old enough, they'll make up their own minds. Uh, we see in Galatians 5.17, for the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, 
so that you do not do the things that you wish. If left uh, alone without guidance or without training, the flesh will always want to avoid what is difficult, what is godly, and what is spiritual. Young people need to be trained in the faith and made to understand that church attendance and involvement are not optional, but they're required. Our Christian lives and works are a constant witness to our children uh, against the evil and selfish and corrupt world that surrounds us. If we look in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, Paul um, exhorts us to practice not being molded by the world as a way of cultivating our obedience to God and thus showing that his ways and his commands are the best. He says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And he answers how we can do that in verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So how do our children know what God's good and acceptable and perfect thing or will is? Well, they watch our life. They watch what we do. They watch what we say. Every time we resist being like the world in one way or another, we strengthen God's kingdom in the world, and we solidify our position in the next world. You know, we should want our children to be happy. In fact, Titus spoke to that a little bit this morning uh, in our uh, Bible class. We should want our children to be happy, but we should want even more that they be saved. We try to do everything we can to make sure that they're happy. Uh, we give them a good home life. We provide them with good education. Uh, all the things to make them happy, but we must ensure that they're saved. Uh, what good is it if we leave our children, all the earthly goods, we even make them wealthy, uh, possibly, but we neglect to give them Christ? Because without Christ, they will not have the one element that will give meaning and direction to everything that they'll possess. If we teach our children the word, if we model the word daily, they will know the way that they should go when it become, or comes their turn to make that choice on their own, to be faithful and to be obedient to God. If your child is of the age to make that decision but hasn't, it's not too late, but your job isn't done. Uh, also remember, you're not alone as well. You have the love and support of your church to help you in that job and in that journey. And you notice, uh, even after our children are baptized, that job's not really over. After they become our brother or sister in Christ, we must still be there to build each other up in the faith and to support them. So if we want to see our children in heaven, if we want to continue to see the church grow, we must make sure to teach our children to obey and to fear God. So in summary, what does this mean for parents? If you're a parent, it means you have a great challenge before you because you will have to go against the flow of a hectic lifestyle and a society or a world that surrounds us that is addicted to materialism and a godless media that celebrates immorality. You know, it may mean not watching a Disney movie that came out recently or some type of TV show that you want to watch that sensationalizes worldly values. It may mean doing things differently than parents that are around you daily. 
You will have to establish the salvation of your child's soul as a priority. You know, parents often say, all I want for my child is to be happy. But I can tell you as a parent, your child will never be happy if they live without Christ. If you really want happy children, bring them to Jesus and bring them, bring them to him as soon as possible. Continue bringing them to church, crying or not, and make salvation your utmost priority. <laughs>